Welcome to The Finer Things. My name is Lisa and this is Wes. We are podcasting from the Members Only Lounge at the Cigar Lodge in Akron, Ohio. On this podcast, we discuss the finer things in life and today's topic is... Scotland. Scotland. That's my best. Uh, I've got a terrible Scottish. No, it's not bad. It's terrible. I get that. But uh, Lisa is lighting her cigar currently, but uh, I've got my Rocky Patel vintage 1999 connecticut or i mean that's how you spell it or as the normal folks say the connecticut wrapper it's very smooth and this will be uh what will keep me company the first half of the show and i'm pairing it with a nice velvety 12 double wood single malt so right right now that's what i'm enjoying so lisa what are you smoking i am smoking a liga perfecta rum exclusive nicaraguan brand Cigar, and this thing came in a glass tube with a cork in it. I mean, it's just, yeah, it was really nice. As soon as I popped that cork, just this aroma of maple syrup and kind of rum, a little bit of grape, it was beautiful. It smelled delicious. And I am drinking a Edradour tin. Now, Edradour is the smallest distillery in Scotland. I did not tour it, but I picked up a very small little bottle of it. She did, uh, for uh, ease of use. It's uh, She's got a little shooter here, a uh, little single serve, uh, so she's not mm-hmm. going to let me have a taste unless there's anything left in the bottle. There's a little <laughs> bit left in the bottle. I saved you some, and Perfect. that is yours. You can sample it right now. It's a Highland uh, single malt there. It's what the uh, label says, and like I said, it comes in a little, uh, the little canister. That just covers up the shooter. Now, you how long were you in Scotland, Lisa? Little bit over a week. About a week. And how many distilleries did you tour? Oh god. Like uh seven or eight. And how recent was this? It was last July. So I had talked in a previous episode about my son joining the Marines and he left for boot camp right before my birthday. And I thought, well, that is the worst birthday present in the world. I'm going to give myself something nice. And I did. I went to Scotland and toured as many distilleries as I could and brought yeah. home as much scotch as I could. And you were uh, you had been talking about it for a while, so mm-hmm. we did that. So, what, uh, so the genesis of you going to Scotland was like, listen, my uh, kid's embarking on a new life and a, a dangerous one at that. And you're like, yeah. it's my birthday. My birthday. And I'm going to treat myself, so... You decided to take a week off and uh, check out of the cold, cold northeast Ohio. Well, not in the Well, it's still cold compared to everybody else, so. Okay, actually, Scotland was considerably colder. Did you fly first class? No. No? No. Okay, well, on the next My bug gets there the same time in coach. (laughs) Yeah, well, we'll talk about first class. Yeah. (laughs) We'll talk about first class. So. Uh, so you so did you fly into London and then to Glasgow or what? Where did you get fly into? I flew into the Netherlands, Amsterdam. Did not have time to get out and explore, but someday I'll make it there. Oh. And then went from Amsterdam to Inverness, Scotland, which is kind of on the north end, sort of north east coast of Scotland. And did you did you Airbnb it or were you at the Marriott or Sheridan? Yes. Both. Yes. So like the first night was in what they call a caravan. It's essentially a mobile home. It was on a farm 
and there was literally no address for this place. Out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, literally no address. I had the hardest time figuring out how you even find the place with no address, and it's go to the trash can and take a right and pass this sign and just cross your fingers. And then other nights we stayed in like a English country manor, looks like a castle kind of thing. I mean, it it was all over the map. And you rented a car. We did. And how, now for those of us that have not rented a car overseas, oh my God. was this process difficult? How was, was this process easy? Describe the process. It's easy to rent. <laughs> well, I mean, they drive on the other side of the road. They I mean, do, and the other side of the car. Right. So if you're not left-handed, what do you, I mean, did you have any close calls? I did. I went with a friend of mine from law school and um, I drove one time, almost killed us, and then peaced out of that whole process. Like deuces. Yeah. Well, the uh, Rocky Patel here is very smooth, very easy to smoke. Um, One of my favorite cigars. So now... Because I've been to Scotland uh, briefly. I studied at Oxford in college. So I I was uh, in Oxford, England, and I went to Glasgow uh, through the train system, which I'm a huge proponent of. Mm -hmm. Um, And if you do have the opportunity to use mass transit in Europe, uh, I would would definitely encourage that to do so. Because their their take on mass transit versus our take on mass transit are two wildly different things. Oh, yeah. Wildly different (laughs) things. So, So you're... You had this uh, lifetime opportunity, like, I'm going to Scotland, Mm -hmm. I'm going to see these distilleries, I'm going to taste the scotch, Yes. and I'm going to be in the thick of it. So, how did you decide what distilleries you were going to go to, and then what you did when you got there? Well, number one, very first distillery we went to, we actually did not tour. The first one we went to was Mecca, which is? McAllen. McAllen. And they've just redone the uh, distillery from what I've seen. It's an interesting building. It's very, it kind of blends into the earth and it has like rolling hills. It's kind of an interesting building. Very environmentally friendly. And when you walk in McAllen, like I said, we didn't tour it. You have to book that well in advance. Um, They have a glass wall. It's a bookshelf of all the McCallans that have ever been made. And all it, of them. Oh, my God. So what was the oldest McCallan that they had there? Did you, did I don't you, recall. Was it a 65? I, I know from the internet sales, the power of the interwebs now these mm-hmm. days. You know, it solved all of our problems, uh, right? Uh, I've seen a 65-year-old <laughs> McCallan being sold, and that's they, you don't buy it to drink it. You buy it as an investment. So, all right. I want to say they had older than that, but I mean, I can't. Don't I recall. cannot recall. Okay. So you walked in, you looked around because the tour. Everybody wants to tour. Yes, we walked in. We wanted to tour. There were no tours available for that day, and so they have a little cafe, and. We had a bite to eat, eating some black pudding and haggis. The Scottish fair. Yeah, how was how was the haggis? I love it. Yeah, I, I like haggis. They should. 
it's meatloaf. They, they got to get over the mental. Yeah, they got to get over. And the black pudding has a lot more mental aspect. You really got to get over that, but it's actually delicious. And they serve that with breakfast. The Belvenic pairs with the Rocky Mattel very well. Now, my cigar is, um, I would have expected it to taste a lot stronger than it does, given the aroma, but it's kind of mild. It is very fruity, and the Edredauer. The Edredauer, that's right. It's, um, it's solid. Mute middle of the road? It is. For a 10-year-old? It's young. It's, it's it actually is really, really smooth for a 10-year-old. That's perfect. That's absolutely perfect. The Belvedere has got a nice, it, it's got a sweet maple uh, aftertaste uh, thus far. Nice. Uh, that could be just the pairing with the Rocky. Sure. Pudding. So, so day one, travel to McAllen. <laughs> you can't get in because the wait's too long. It's a special club. I get that. So you guys sit at the gift shop, have something to eat. That's totally awesome. Now, what what happens next? Took a few pictures and then. Peaced out for the next distillery. We knew that the rest, all of the rest, were going to be smaller than that. And so it was just kind of drive around until you find one that's open. Inverness is space-side area, so you have a metric ton of distilleries in a tiny, tiny area. The space-side area is not a massive Scotland itself is not sure. a massive sure. country. And comparatively speaking, how big is Inverness? Um, Inver- let me think. Because Summit County, Ohio, is roughly half a million people. I mean, just for the mathematics' sake. Um, yeah, it's maybe that big. Maybe that big. Okay, that's fair. It's maybe more spread out. A lot more than countryside. That. Yeah. A lot more countryside. Because Inverness is right next to Loch Ness. It's right there, kind of at the end of it, and so... Where Nessie lives. Yes. <laughs> I did not see her. That's okay. Next time. That's okay. She didn't know you were coming. It's she didn't. Be... Best send a postcard next time. If she knew it was my birthday, she would have popped up. Now, I, I know that the liquor laws over there are different than the liquor laws here. They are. Did you... How was your experience with that? When you, you said you were driving around, and you were checking out the different... Uh, yes distilleries and checking them out i mean do they have when did they close do you know i don't know you were not that late mm, not typically no they closed i'd say around four or five ish that's not terrible now the way how they really differ is that they are hard on their driving under the influence laws Oh, yeah, 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 for you sure. You got 0.08. They just changed it there to 0.05. If you have the wrong kind of breath mint, you're over the limit. And we, and we should indicate that one of the <clears throat> reasons that Europe and uh, Britain and the United Kingdom specifically are very harsh on their uh, driving under the influence uh, laws are because their mass transit is very well taken care of and very well maintained. You can get on a train or a bus and get anywhere you need to go within the United Kingdom. So to have a car there is merely a luxury. Here in America, the car is a necessity. You've got to drive with just so much space. So that that kind of brings in, because you have the ability that you can grow up, live, and throughout your entire life throughout the United Kingdom, you never really need a driver's license because you can get everywhere you need to go, work, school. For the most part, yeah. the grocery store without ever having to get into a car. Well, they also tend to live... 
in more communities. So here, I mean, I I grew up in Oklahoma. I bounced around Nebraska and Iowa for a little. I eventually ended up in Ohio. There, it's more, it's a little more common that, you know, you end up in an area and that's kind of where you live your life. And so you've got, you've got your community there and they know you. They're very proud of their communities too, which is awesome. Absolutely. Now the drinking age over there is what, again? Mm. Did you see any youngins? Um, scotch is one of those things that's kind I of I mean, self- for scotch, I think you got to be 18. For beer and wine, I believe 16. Because scotch is tend to be one of those things where it's a self- identifying crowd so sure i can't imagine a lot of young kids go to distilleries uh, to to tour or anything else like that actually a lot of the distilleries people were bringing in their children with them and that's one other thing that i should mention about the dui laws so the distilleries do not want you to drink and drive so they'll give you these little takeaway glasses they're kind of like itty bitty tiniest little mason jars you've ever seen and so if i go in and i'm tasting five different scotches then my companion who's driving he'll get five little takeaway shots to kill at the hotel room later that's pretty cool well if you're visiting like three different distilleries four distilleries in a day yeah and you're hitting three to five at each one that's a lot of scotch. Yeah, at the end of the day. Uh, you need a driver. <laughs> By that time, you're already at the hotel and you're slamming shots and you're not tasting the difference in between them. <laughs> it's not as discerning as it once was. No. That's super funny. That's super funny. Well, that, that goes into the finer things. I mean, just being able to uh, go through your that unique situation in life where you've got a kid who's enlisting and then you're like, you know, this is my birthday. I want to treat myself and I want to make sure that I'm yeah. ready to rock and roll. And kapow, you're ready to go and you go to Scotland and you arrange the trip pretty quick. Mm-hmm. So that works out well. And you go through the lodging and all the, the places that you wanted to be. Now, how many uh, distilleries a day do you think you did end-to-end on average? Was it two a day, three a day? Or were you one of those five-a-day distilleries? It was probably two to three, but there were... I mean, the, there were some days where we didn't go to any distilleries sure some days um you know so while we were there they had the tattoo going on the tattoo is not something that you get on your arm like it is here the tattoo is a big military festival and it's got people from all over the world displaying this is kind of my cultural thing we had people from the U.S. Navy, and they were doing twirling of their weapons and everything. It was astounding. But at the tattoo, you also have, literally, not making this up, I tried counting about 125 bagpipe players that are playing Amazing Grace all at the same time. And if that doesn't bring a tear to your eye, I don't know what does. All in kilts, no less. Yes, they were. Because it's Scotland. 125 all at once. So the tattoo is a big deal. And so that was one day. Also going on was, it's called The Fringe. It's the largest street festival in the world. And it was going on. This was in Edinburgh. Both of those, Edinburgh. Okay. 
So you travel a little. We went in a circle. So start up, like I said, kind of northeast. It's not real, real far north, but northeast. Make a circle down south along the east coast. Circle, you end up in Edinburgh. Circle over to Glasgow, which is about an hour away, up to Oban area. Oban! And then back over to Inverness. A nice uh, scotch. A nice circle. Nice, yeah, nice scotch, the Oban. Yep. So so that's a pretty nice circle that you had, and you kind of planned Mm -hmm. that ahead. You've heard me uh, keeping my uh, Rocky Patel lit there. I had the opportunity right there to finish the... uh, rest of the Edredor here. What would you think? It was uh, very smooth. Very it was. Very smooth for the 10-year-old. Yeah. It's delicious. Uh, I would I would recommend. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's available here stateside. It's hard to find. Like I said, it's the smallest one. Happy Van Winkle is hard to find. Yeah. This, <laughs> I mean, this is only hard to find because they are the smallest distillery, and so they don't produce a lot every year. Sure. And so they don't send a lot over every year. So it exists. It's just you're gonna have to search for it. So you got to see the tattoo, uh, and then the uh, the street fair, or yeah, the, the fringe, the fringe. So that that seems pretty. Now, did you you walked around and saw the little yeah. fairs and markets and the uh, mm-hmm. street vendors and everything else like that? Which one was your favorite one? And were you allowed to drink? I mean, that's always were you allowed to like we, walk around with a beer like you do here? Maybe we didn't. Oh, okay. So you didn't try that. No, I didn't okay. try that. So I wanted to save it for the distilleries, you know. I want to know what they're offering. I want to know. A lot of people say that if you go to the distilleries, you're going to see the same thing. It's the same process at everyone. You're going to see the same thing. I think those people are missing the artistry of it, the explanation of here's what's different about our scotch. And each one is different. Their histories. Their, their history, their tradition, they put so much effort into their scotch, and each one is just a little bit different. And by going and touring them, you can kind of find out why. Sure, the process is exactly the same, for the most part, from every distillery to another. But it's the little bitty changes that make it interesting. Always the little bitty changes that make it interesting. And that's the key. Um so now you had indicated that you were touring, you saw the street vendors and everything else like that, mm-hmm. um, and then you went through and uh, the scotches and everything. Now, if you're a novice, like if you don't know anything, you like scotch, but you're sure. it's like wine, you're not, you know, there's red and white right. <laughs> and champagne. When you walked into these distilleries, now you kind of are a scotch connoisseur. Did you say, how did you introduce yourself? You're like, hey, I'm Lisa, I'm from Ohio, I'm here for touring and yada, yada, yada. I mean, what, what kind of introduction did you have? Not so much. At the distilleries, they give these tours, and they're at set times, and, you know, you're just going to sign up and take a tour. Sure. So. Did, well, I mean, for the tastings. In, in Same your... thing. Tastings are always at the end of the tour, so it's, we've shown you the process. Come try these different ones. And, you know, maybe they start you off with a 10-year and they pop you up, okay, this next one's a 12-year, or this one's a special blend in a different cask. Tasting's always at the end. Yeah, and did they highlight the notes for each they one? They did. And were you able to 
ask questions. Yes. In regards to you know what, you know why does it taste like this? Um, why does it taste like that? I mean, did they go over that with you or at all? Or they did at the very first one that we actually toured. It was the Glenfiddich, and. Glenfiddich, a classic cigar. Absolutely classic. classic. And as far as alcohol goes, they own more or less everything that exists. They've got rum, they've got vodka, they've got beer, all of it. Anyway, so the Glenfiddich, um, they were talking about how they get the barrels. Now, most of the time, the scotch is in a bourbon barrel. Go USA. And that's exactly where they get them Half from. Half the USA. Holla. Now, bourbon. This is the thing I didn't know before I toured Scotland. Bourbon has to be in fresh barrel every single time. Absolutely. The Absolutely. Scotch, God bless Scotland and Scottish people, they have a reputation for being a little bit cheap. Whether that's <laughs> earned or not, I will money. not comment. They want to make money. So, they... Buy those bourbon barrels, and they reuse them. And each time, they're getting new things out of them. The barrels are typically bourbon. They're taken apart over here, and they're shipped over there. And then they put them back together. And so you'll have, like, one barrel that's holding their scotch, and it'll have eight staves from a bourbon barrel and then one from a wine cask and that's where a lot of the different flavor comes from is you got a barrel and it's held a different kind of alcohol and it's imparted that sort of flavor into it and it's bringing that into the scotch and no two barrels are the same right and that's the other qualification i used to have my securities licenses my series six in my 63 uh, for mutual funds and whatnot. And one of the interesting questions that I have uh, was that uh, bourbon uh, um, barrels are a commodity. Sure. And you can trade them. And that was one of the nice. one, one of the questions that I remember because I had to study for the exam. They were like, well, you have these receipts that you can trade ownership of these, uh, of these barrels nice. of, of liquor. And I just started laughing at <laughs> I mean, it, you only ever got one question about it on the test. Right. But I was, it's that one question. You're like, I got this. Right. <laughs> I, right. Know the <laughs> I know the answer to this question. So it's not a problem. Um, but that's awesome. So, yeah. So, so yeah, they take them from the bourbon barrels. They break them down. They ship them over there because the Scots are certainly looking to make more money. Sure. And so each barrel is different. And then, you know, again, where they store them, how they store them, you know, the right. pipe. I mean, all of these factors go into it, as I'm sure you saw. Yes, and oddly enough, there is one barrel manufacturer that supplies most of the island. It, it's like they're the ones that are handling the barrels for everybody. Occasionally, you get the bigger ones like Linfitic. They've got McAllen, their I'm sure. McAllen, almost certainly. They've got their own, um, it's called a cooper, a cooperage. And they've got their own cooper right there on staff that builds these barrels back together and decides, well, we're going to put this many staves. The staves are the individual planks of the barrel. And So you've got staves that are the planks. They create the barrel. Mm-hmm. And then they pour the scotch mm-hmm. into the barrel. Yep. 
and then they store the barrel in the warehouse? They do. They're... Now, the warehouse is going to vary. It A lot of the time, it looks like a cave or an old abandoned warehouse. ancient kind of warehouse. I mean, like 1700s kind of warehouse. And this is important information because the problem with making 10, 12, 16, 18, 20-year-old scotch is that you have to store it for, for 10, 12, 16 yeah. years. So... When you, I mean, you're, you're, that's the biggest problem. I mean, you've well, got no, a there, facility. There's one other massive problem that's a little bit bigger. Which is? So, for scotch, for also bourbon, whiskey, all of these type of spirits, you're going to have what's called the angel share. Sure, because? Each year, a certain percentage of it evaporates. And that's just due to physics and yep. nature and meteorological... The way the world works. Correct. And so when you get like a 25 year, you've lost a significant portion. I remember touring one distillery that had... Do you remember which one? I don't. I'm trying to recall right now. Okay. They had a 200 year and... 200 year old. I, I, I wanted sure. to take that home with me and it's mine forever. Conceptually think about this. In 200 years... 200 years, that barrel has sat there. There has to be like three drops left and those three drops are worth ten thousand dollars each drop oh my god right and, and i mean and conceptually think about that because it is 2019 so you figure 200 years ago it's 1819 so the way the world is in 1819 <laughs> right versus the way the world is now in 2019 a massive amount of things have changed economically oh god socially, everything technologically, I mean, everything. everything has changed. The way of life has changed. But yet, you have this one barrel full of scotch. It's just sat there. That has not moved or has moved very, not a very small distance. Mm -hmm. And it's been there. I mean, and that's, I mean, that's the, that's the process here. Now, what can you tell us about, for those of us that may be new to scotch, do you, can you recite how the scotch is made? I can. Um, so, I hope I get this correct. So, essentially, and we're kind of going to get into some baking physics. So, when you bake bread, you got yeast. You add sugar and water. The sugar is what the yeast eats. The water kind of wakes up the yeast and gets it going. The yeast causes the bread to rise. Well, sort of the same process is going on with scotch. You've got barley. You add yeast. All scotch has to have barley. It's like well, one of the requirements. Right, because there are legal requirements. Yeah, it can't be called scotch if for it's scotch. not. For scotch, and that's, what, that's why the process here is very, very important. Yes. It's, it's same thing with bourbon. There has to be a very certain uh, amount of uh, ingredients and process, Yep. and that's exactly what has to happen. And I'm in the middle of my uh, Rocky Patel right now. And, uh, I am not in the middle of my cigar, and it was about as long. Well, but... because you're doing all the talking. This is this is one of the best episode ever because Wes gets to sit down, relax, <laughs> and enjoy, just ask me questions. <laughs> enjoy his cigar. And <laughs> I have made it through the Edradour, so I'm moving on to the same cigar. I'm moving on to a Dallywayne 16 years. It's a Speyside single malt. A little older. Has like a 
badger or something on the label. Yeah. Let's, let's say badger. that's a badger. Let's go with a badger here. And then, uh, I hope that's right. That's good. So, yeah, because there's always requirements for what bourbon is, what scotch is. Because that's, I mean, it's like champagne. Champagne has to be created in a certain region of France. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, the champagne region. Right, otherwise, it can't be called champagne. So, right. I mean, and these localities uh, take this very seriously. I mean, very, very seriously. Everything about the Scotch process, they take ridiculously seriously, and we'll get into it the next episode. Right, and that's one of the things that, uh, while uh, I'm letting Lisa enjoy her cigar a little bit, one of the things that I know, uh, specifically here in Northeast Ohio. Uh, Cleveland uh, brand whiskey, just on a different liquor topic, they try to simulate the aging process through pressurizing the liquid. And I, it sometimes works, it sometimes doesn't work. Sure. And I know that Japanese, you know, Japan is trying to create scotch and trying to get into the game. And yeah, the, there are some good ones out there. And the Asian market is huge. Yes, I mean, obviously, it is. Obviously, between China and India, you have two billion people so if you can sell them each a bottle of scotch that's two billion bottles of scotch so Mm -hmm. that's exact there's a lot of economic incentive here to make the process um easier and more efficient because again you were dealing with a process where to get 10 year old scotch you've got to wait 10 years and again as we just discussed over that period of time life changes and companies right. go bust, companies stay alive, and everything else like that. So, But one of the requirements for scotch is that it has to be minimum of three years. The other is it's barley, yeast, and water. Those are your only ingredients that are ever going to go into a scotch. Right, and you said that the yeast, now you were the process. Yep. So the, the yeast was being awoke by the water. Yep. So you kind of wake it up at the early stages you're making barley beer. Seriously, if you've ever made beer, you're doing that same thing. Instead of hops, you're using barley. It's barley beer. Um, at that point, you're going to drain the water and... You're going to be left with something. Yeah. So... What are you left with? Uh, you got the mash. And that's kind of the barley that's been woken up. You add some more water. Let it ferment for a little bit. And it, it depends on the fermenting process. Term, I mean, that's where the distillers and the master distillers, this is where they are adding their hands. And this is where it becomes kind of the To artwork. a lesser degree at this stage. Okay. This typically takes about three to four days. At that point, you um, pull out the mash. That is your barley. They actually, and again, to the reputation, they take that and they turn it into feed for their cattle. So they're using everything. Very eco-friendly. Uh, absolutely. And... So there you go. Uh, yeah, it's amazing. Drink scotch. Drink scotch. Yeah. So at that point, it's going to go and... Um, the mash. The, the water okay. from it. Okay. So you, we're at the water. It's been drained. It's in a massive tank. You cannot believe the size of this thing. And 25 feet high. Yeah, at least. Okay. And it's kind of churning around. And like I said, you've got yeast that has had sugar added. It's been woken up. 
and that yeast is still kind of present. So after a few days, the amount of liquid in that tank rises way to the top when it was initially maybe halfway full. And this goes to, I mean, show with the physics and the uh, baking and the cooking right. process. I mean, you, when you bake a cake, the mm-hmm. it rises. When you bake cookies, they take shape. When you do bread, you've got to let the dough rise. And then you punch it down, let it rise again. That's when it goes in the oven. And it's all the air bubbles, I think carbon dioxide that's built up. The chemical process. Yep. So it's a little bit of chemistry here. Yep. So we've got... No Which we- is fascinating. We- Again, I have not toured a distillery. Uh, I've been to beer, sure. uh, and beer and wine places, yeah. but not a distillery. So you're, so we're at the process. We get this vat, right? Yep. So what what is in this vat currently? In this at this stage in the game, it looks like water. It looks like a clear liquid. Now, the master. Here's where the artistry comes in. Step one of where the artistry comes in. Um, the master distillers can tell the difference. They're like, nope, this is, at this stage, we want it to mature a little. So there's three different stages. At the first, you've got the head. Okay. The second stage is the heart. And the third? The tail. So just, the word the flies. The word cocktail comes from the tail spirits. They are not good quality. So the mixers. The mixers. Okay, so that's very They were looking for a way to reuse them, so they added in bitters and different flavors, and that's where a cocktail comes from. But it's from the tail spirits, which are not good quality, so they couldn't use them. They couldn't just sell them as is. You needed to add something in. And those tail spirits. Yes. Those are, is at the bottom of the vat? Yes. Okay, so we're... All the crap has kind of settled to the bottom the head? Because it's heavier. Because, yeah. Right. Because we're oh, it's liquid. got all the stuff in it. So for our nov- novel, novice people like right. me who did not do well in chemistry, right. you've got all this, this fermentation and this stilling process mm-hmm. and then this sediment and, you know, the process that'll sink to the bottom. Uh, and then you have, like uh, Lisa said, you've got the three liquid kind of dividing lines. Yep. Now there's only one that you want. They always go for the middle. The That's heart. The heart. The heart. That's why it's so important. The head is, it's not quite there. You don't have what you need out of it. And like I said, at this stage, it looks like water. But those master distillers can tell. And it's got, essentially, it looks like it's a little stream of this water that's being poured into one of three buckets. Now, those three buckets are the head, heart, and tail. And they all go in the same bucket, or are they... Different separate? buckets. Okay, so we're separating out... Yes. ...those three... And the head and the tail get reused. They put them in the next batch in order to mix them up... To create more. To create more. They because, reuse them. Again, we're, it's very eco-friendly. Yes. Now, so... The way it works is the particular... There's kind of a glass enclosure around these buckets. What that enclosure is, is it's a safe. At that point, it's locked with a padlock. The distillery cannot open it. They don't have the key for it. Who does? 
the tax man. Uh oh, this is this is where the this is where your the government government is, the government. If you're in certain ports of Ohio, we got the government, we got the government, and then we got the government. And yep, that's what it all comes into play, and that's a great place. But we're going to continue this conversation, mm-hmm. but we are podcasting from the members only lounge here at the Cigar Lodge in beautiful Akron, Ohio. I'm Wes. I'm Lisa. And we'll see you next time. All right. Bye. See you soon.